Welcome to the Auckland Bioengineering Institute podcast. Okay, hello again and thanks for listening. My name is Ruben Keeling and today I have two guests from our musculoskeletal research group with me. Uh, it's actually quite hard to say uh, musculoskeletal this early in the morning, but I, I think I, I pulled it off. Uh, they're doing some really interesting work looking at ways to help people with cerebral palsy, uh, young children in particular. So uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? Oh, hi, I'm Julie. Uh, I'm a research fellow at the Oakland Bioengineering Institute. Initially, I'm from France. I did my undergraduate and master's degree in Paris in an engineering school in mechanical engineering. And I also did an exchange year in uh, Switzerland. Um, and then I went to uh, the US to work on a PhD in biomechanical engineering at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia for four years. I graduated in June 2013 and then I joined a team um, of researchers in France uh, for three years. I arrived in New Zealand in July 2015 with my partner and daughter, and then I started to work at ABI in early 2016. Great, and Jeff? Uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, as you mentioned, a researcher in the musculoskeletal group. Um, I'm My background is in physics and math, actually. So I did an undergraduate degree in physics with a minor in mathematics at uh, East Carolina University in the United States. Um, if you can't tell by the accent, I'm American. <laughs> um, and I came here uh, well, I, I went to graduate school at the University of Virginia in biomedical engineering. And um, actually, Julie and I met there at the University of Virginia when she was doing a summer exchange maybe 10 years ago when we were in our 20s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, ended up doing a, a Whitaker International postdoc. So that's, uh, it was a program, an American program that sends postdocs abroad to get international experience. And uh, so I applied to that program to come to the Auckland Bioengineering Institute and work on musculoskeletal modeling and cerebral palsy. Um, so that brought me down here and I've been here now for four and a half years. So when my postdoc ended, I got um, offered a research fellow position and um, they just haven't been able to get rid of me, I guess, so far. <laughs> and what inspired you to follow that, this, this research field? Um, for me, so I come from a background of mechanical engineering. So it was mostly about planes and cars. And I wasn't that interested. So when I went to my exchange year in Switzerland, they had a course called biomechanics in musculoskeletal. And I went for it because my professor said, oh, that's interesting, you should try. And I just loved it. And the professor was Dominic Pioletti. He's a very big guy in bones biomechanics. And he was great. And then I said, well, I I wanna do that for a living. And I thought I needed to kind of learn a bit more in the field, so I decided to do a PhD in that field. Mm-hmm. And that's how I came up in there. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Jeff? Uh, yeah, so I, I studied um, physics and math, as I mentioned, and um, I was quite interested in kind of fundamental questions and technical study. Um, but towards the end of my um, undergraduate degree, I, I felt like there were a few things that I just really didn't know and didn't understand after four years of studying physics and mathematics particularly biology and physiology and how the body worked. And I was a competitive athlete. I was, um, I swam, uh, at my university for the NCAA for four years. And so, you know, I was quite involved in athletics and trying to understand how the body worked and and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't really know a lot about it. And, And so I was trying to bridge these two things, my background in physics and my interest in, 
uh, physiology and in the body and especially in muscles. And so um, at some point as I was um, trying to figure out what to do, I discovered biomedical engineering as, as a field and thought that that kind of made a lot of sense. Um, sort of simultaneously, I was doing my senior thesis in physical cosmology, so how the universe formed, yeah. basically. All right. So big, big questions, big fundamental questions. And um, that supervisor, he wrote a lot of astrophysics grants and seldom got them funded and occasionally would put in a grant for biomedical physics and get it funded every time. And he said, uh, you should probably try for biomedical physics or <laughs> biomedical engineering. It's, it's easier to get um, projects funded and it's yeah. just a bit more useful, he said, than cosmology. <laughs> I still think cosmology is very interesting, but he recommended, <clears throat> excuse me, he recommended that I go into the biomedical fields. And, and so I went to grad school in that and studied MRI and, and muscle mechanics and, and muscle anatomy and physiology. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a good, good recommendation by him. It, w- it was, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and, and is there any specific part of your research that you've been focused on lately? Um, so yeah, recently I've, well, I've, I've sort of been onboarding two new um, PhD students. Um, and so one of, one of those students is working on um, shape and growth modeling mm. in the skeletal muscles of cerebral palsy. So I've started thinking about that project a lot more as, as he's been coming on board. And my second new PhD student um, is doing novel imaging of, uh, of human fascia in vivo using advanced MRI. Um, and so both of those are MRI projects. So we're writing ethics to recruit people, um, some adults, some kids with cerebral palsy, some kids without cerebral palsy. Mm. And we're going to be bringing them into uh, Cam- Camry, the Center for Advanced MRI. And in, in one study, we're um, just trying to get anatomical and, and kind of fiber images using diffusion tensor imaging of, of muscles. And in the other project, we're using a novel technique that we hope will work yeah. to, uh, to image the connective tissue, um, the collagen-rich tissues in the leg. And if we can get the resolution down enough, we'll be looking at the myofascia, which is sort of a connecting tissue all throughout the musculoskeletal system. My research focus on whatever grant I get. <laughs> <laughs> so lately, I've got a new grant, and we're working on building this uh, pediatric population-based atlas of uh, children's bones, especially in the lower limbs or in the legs. So think about tibia, fibula, um, femur, and pelvis. And then we can, with this atlas of bones, we can try to build a model that could predict what each children in the world kind of bone look like. Mm. And then we can apply it clinically on children that have bone deformity. And so if you get some um, MRI or medical images um, partial that you can get at the hospital, maybe we can try to um, build on it and recreate their bone shape from our statistical shape model. and from these images combined. So that's one big project that I'm working on. Another one is on spine biomechanics, which is completely different. Yeah. It's on uh, people that have back pain and needs to go through uh, surgery. And right now, surgeons have a hard time finding out why some of the surgery fails, and there is up to 40% of failure in that type of surgery, fusion right. surgery. So we're trying to help them understand better what they do wrong, what they did good, and what can we do to help pre-plan their surgery for each patient. Okay. okay. And, and why is it so important uh, to help children with cerebral palsy to get in so early in their life? Um, so 
here in New Zealand, they, they go through public funding or mm. public health care. And, and sometimes it, it, the public health care help them a bit too late. Um, they only help them once they have very much difficulty to walk or they have a lot of pain. Um, what we want to try to do is get early diagnosis and then early treatment um, and early assessment so that we can try to help them walk better. And if they walk better or more normally, they will have less deformation in their bones. And that's that's very easy to do. It's just showing how to do it and as public healthcare to implement it into their system. Uh, and I think it's very important because we should all live pretty normal life if we can, mm. and I think they can if we help them. Can, can I tack on an answer to that? Yeah, so I totally agree with everything uh, Julie said, um, but just also from the, from a muscle perspective, um, we, we still don't really know what's going on with the muscles in kids with cerebral palsy. Um, they tend to lose function as they age, potentially because their body is growing, but their muscles are not growing uh, adequately is one, one hypothesis. Mm. Um, but um, what is clear is because there is that degeneration, there's that the progression of the disease as kids age, the sooner you can identify the, the um, disease, as Julie mentioned, and the sooner you can start uh, stimulating the muscles and doing physiotherapy and, and um, you know, vibration therapy is kind of a new technique that uh, people are having some success with. But the sooner you can get on that, then the less likely it is that the muscles will degenerate quickly. Um, and so you just basically want to be, you know, providing phys physical therapy and, and working on those muscles from a young age to, uh, to try to offset some of that um, impairment that happens over time. Right. And how many people are actually affected by cerebral palsy in the world? I think it's, um, the, the figure's three and a half per 100,000 births, is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I know in New Zealand it's 12,000 people. Okay. Um, and worldwide, I'm wondering if it's not seven million. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it gets bigger yeah, when you awesome. look at the word. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, a small population if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. But it's the number one childhood physical disability in the world. So right, right. Yeah. So the rates of cerebral palsy are really consistent um, from country to country and, uh, you know, uh, from subpopulation to subpopulation. It's pretty okay. much consistent in, in humans. Right. Um, you know, it's not, uh, you know, affecting one ethnicity more than another or anything like that. It's it's quite consistent. They've found some genetic links as well. So mm -hmm. there's um, about two dozen genes, more or less, that they found a link to cerebral palsy. Okay. So it's, um, you know, it's not one of those things that we can, um, that we think we can get rid of anytime soon. And so what we're right. dealing with is trying to treat uh, the symptoms and, mm -hmm. and make the lives easier for people that have have the disease and maybe sometime in the future with genetic engineering you know maybe in a hundred years we'll be to the place where we can prevent it from occurring but uh, but we're not there yet so we're treating it <laughs> is it does the small population in New Zealand make it a bit more difficult to do the research uh, well for the public health system it makes it difficult to make it like uh, worthy of their money for that right, much right. people yeah that's the main problem for me. Yeah. I think from, yeah, from my end, um, you know, we want to recruit kids with cerebral palsy and, and uh, put, involve them in our imaging studies. Um, but we need a certain population so that we can have good numbers and robust metrics to report on. And having a small population, it makes it difficult to get those numbers. So um, I think what, what offsets that is that 
um, all of the kids and all of the families that we've ever worked with in New Zealand have been really, really um, great and, and really supportive of the work and um, really willing to, to come. We've had parents who take their kids out of school for a day so they can come be part of our study, yeah. which is uh, much appreciated, right? Because we have uh, scanner schedules and all kinds of stuff to work around. So the families that we've involved in our studies have just been really tremendous. Um, but it is a small population, and, and that's that's one of the difficulties. Yeah. It'd be different in, say, New York City mm. than uh, than in than in Auckland. And then going back to talking about funding, how how is your research funded? Uh, right now, I'm funded through the Health Research Council (HRC) in New Zealand, and the MedTech uh, Center of Research Excellence, and the art funding. Uh, so one for each of my um, field of work. Yeah, my, uh, I guess, main source of funding is the um, Aotearoa Fellowship, which is a, a philanthropic funding from the Robertson Foundation. Um, and so they, f- they uh, funded me two years ago for, um, I guess, one big project that's split into two parts. So that funds um, two of my PhD students and, and myself. Uh, and then um, since then, I've uh, received a Marsden Fast Start grant. And um, so that's funding the, the myofascial imaging. Um, so that's um, a big help as well. The startup grants yeah yeah and so that funds students and also your research as well uh yeah the marston is uh funding research studies as well as a, a phd students um, stipend um and so that's where that funding is going um and then we're getting the the myofascial imaging off the ground with that one and that's uh i guess it's one thing people don't think about is it's a getting funding is like a constant process for you especially in, in emerging researchers and yeah, I've actually spent about the last week um, staying up late and getting up early trying to get um, another grant submitted. So, right. um, yeah, you, if, if you waited until all of your grants were finished before you started planning another one, then you'd be sitting without funding, you know, without a salary for <laughs> months or a year. So um, you just kind of have to constantly be submitting grants and coming up with ideas and recruiting students and recruiting postdocs and research assistants. And, you know, if you can get funding and... Um, uh, I guess inquisitive student who wants to join you at the same time, mm. <clears throat> then you're really lucky because oftentimes you have a student who's interested but you don't have funding, or you have funding but you don't have any interested students. So um, maybe some of the senior PIs have uh, figured it out as a as a science, but I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah. uh, a rule of thumb I think is for eight proposal written, one get funded. Oh really? Yeah, oh. usually. Yeah. And how long does each one take to write? Like, a week or so? Mm, a bit more. Well, you can recycle, right? <laughs> right but you still have to rewrite depending on... If you go to a health uh, topic, you have to really concentrate on the health benefit. If you go to a more science one, you have to concentrate more on the science, so you always have to rewrite. Oh, I see. Yeah, and they never yeah. ask for the same thing. No, no. Except vision mataranga, right, which right. is always recurring. But other than that, it's pretty... Yeah. yeah. A lot of our researchers here are working with international teams. Um, how about you guys? Well, my work concentrates on New Zealand right now, so I work right. with New Zealand teams. Mm. Uh, I do have some work with Griffiths University from the Gold Coast. Okay. Uh, but other than that, yeah, that's mm. it. Now, who are you working with in, in, within New Zealand? Um, I'm working with a AUT physiotherapist that have the Gate Clinic in Auckland. I'm working with um, orthopedic surgeons at the Auckland Hospital, Starship, mm. and also for the spine at Mercy Hospital. And uh, some collaborators at Waikato Hospital and uh, in Christchurch, Otago, I think. I don't remember. Otago University in Christchurch. 
Um, and I do have some uh, colleagues at the Victoria University of Wellington. Okay. And was that a connection made through the MedTech Core? Some of them through MedTech Core and mm. uh, some of them through a relation with Justin Fernandez. He has a, oh, right, of course. a lot of uh, surgeon friends. <laughs> yeah, some good connections. Yeah. How about you, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I, I have uh, some informal um, relationships with some international partners. Um, so I spent um, a few months earlier this year in uh, Freiburg in Germany at the, the uh, Institute for Experimental Cardiovascular Medicine. Um, and so uh, the director of that institute is, is friends with the director of the institute here, Peter Hunter. Mm. And um, so I went over to try to learn some of their experimental techniques and, and figure out if I could apply them to skeletal muscle. Um, and so they've been, uh, they're sort of involved in two of the grants that I've recently written to see if we could formalize that um, collaboration. Um, and uh, also, as Julie mentioned, I've got some informal collaborations with um, Griffiths uh, in the Gold Coast and the University of Queensland, um, work with a student at the University of Stuttgart in Germany. And, uh, and then I keep uh, some, some ties to my former team at the University of Virginia. And um, working on a manuscript now that involves some of them. So sort of stretched to a few different continents here and there. <laughs> yeah. But keeps you on your toes. Do, do you do a lot of traveling as part of the, part of the work? I, I do a lot of traveling, yeah. Mm. Um, so uh, this year was, was in Europe uh, and North America for, for a few months. And um, I, th I think I'm not traveling for the rest of the year. I need, yeah. to, I need to rest. But um, yeah, I think being in New Zealand, we're, you know, we're remote enough that you need to be active about um, having those collaborations. Mm. They don't always just fall into your lap. Yeah. Um, and I think the Institute in, in general here is really good about having really active collaborations with Europe, with North America, with Australia. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, if you're willing to travel and meet your collaborators and, and sort of interact, then you can, you know, keep those exchanges going and keep the research going on here in New Zealand really global. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. Uh, I think um, traveling is the fun part of doing research yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to conferences meet colleagues see yeah. what's new uh, visiting uh, other labs and see what they're doing um, you get to see a lot of the world uh, and that's pretty pretty neat yeah yeah it must be great to get different perspectives and, and, and different uh, ideas about the same research you know, the same field um, yeah I think it's interesting how uh, different I guess geographical locations take different views of you know techniques, technologies, research. Um, and I remember when I was working in the U.S., uh, there was sort of a, I think in the field of biomechanics, people were somewhat dismissive of using diffusion tensor imaging in skeletal muscle, which is a technique that I use now. Okay. And in uh, Australia and New Zealand, people were much more optimistic about it and had sort of developed techniques to make it work. Uh -huh. And so when when I came down here to New Zealand and was interacting with Australian researchers, um, it made a lot of sense to start pursuing that research. And a couple of years later, when I presented that research to an international community, it seemed like the Australian and Kiwi scientists were really excited and the American scientists were saying, oh, that's impossible. You can't do that. That's, <laughs> right. not, that's not a thing. Um, and now it is accepted and we're publishing more and more on that on that topic and it's um, it's helping us understand uh, cerebral palsy and some other diseases but uh, I, I thought that was kind of interesting how you know the the culture or the community of scientists mm. in one place or another um, they sort of develop these different ideas about whether stuff works or whether it doesn't work or yeah. you know, how you should be moving forward 
So I think travel is a good way of just kind of getting, you know, all of the freshest ideas and yeah. best perspectives. No, that is interesting. And I guess we do have a quite an international team here. Obviously, you two from uh, different parts of the world. Who else on your team? Where, where, where is the rest of your team from? I have a, a PhD student right now from uh, Yemen. He, he's Yemeni, but he did his PhD, uh, sorry, his bachelor's degree mm. in the U.S. at Penn State. Okay. And then another student is from um, Sri Lanka, and, and so he's come over, uh, come across the the Indian Ocean yeah. and uh, to, to join the team and to, to be part of the ABI. We have a lot of PhD students from Europe, Germans and uh, uh, Netherlands, um, French. You have a lot of French interns coming. Jeff. I do. I do have a lot of French interns. That's, that's true. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some people from North America, but not in our group. Uh, yeah. I have a student from India, uh, a lot from uh, Hong Kong or China, mm-hmm. um, mm. from all over the world, yeah. Right. And was it something specific about ABI that, that attracted you to, to come here? Uh, I followed my partner to New right. Zealand. Uh-huh, um, so, uh, I, well, it's halfway around the world. But, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, we thought we like traveling, so mm. we thought it was a good opportunity. We didn't know how long we would stay here, and then I found um, research to do at the ABI, and I got my own kind of uh, research going on. So now we want to stay for for some time, and um, I think for me it was more New Zealand first, and then ABI was here. Mm. Uh, but I can understand some of the students are like, "Oh, I want to come to the Auckland Bioengineering Institute. It's an yeah. international." Uh, institute and it's very well renowned um, and then New Zealand is also a great <laughs> yeah, it's a nice bonus yeah <laughs> yeah I think I was attracted to I'd say um, ABI uh, first and foremost and, mm. and yeah living in New Zealand was sort of a bonus yeah um, actually New Zealand is the first place outside of the US that I'd lived um, so yeah I'd traveled a bit but never lived uh, abroad and um, so yeah New Zealand seemed like a good fit I I'm, I'm not great with foreign languages. So I thought, okay, <laughs> I can work in English. That's great. Um, but uh, I was I was attracted to the ABI because I, I knew of um, Peter Hunter and, and a lot of his pioneering work and um, Tor uh, Bezier, who's um, who Julie and I have both worked with in musculoskeletal, mm. um, is is somewhat well known um, for for his work. And so when I was a PhD student, um, I, I knew of him and I knew of Justin Fernandez and I knew of the institute. Um, and I thought it seemed like a really good place, international place to do my postdoc. Um, so I do think that ABI has has an international reputation, um, yeah. and uh, and I think that's a good thing. I think we have an appeal to to people to come down here and, and yeah. work with us. Yeah, in some ways it seems like um, it's more well known internationally than than in New Zealand sometimes. I think that's probably yeah. true. <laughs> I've I've actually uh, fielded comments occasionally from. Americans and, and uh, other people, they say, oh, you're at the Auckland Bioengineering Institute. How is it living in Australia? <laughs> like, oh, nice. I uh, wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, funny. Um, and so are you looking for any other students to join your, your teams? Always. Always. Yeah, you got the funding. And you're just looking for the right uh, people. Well, Tor got some big fundings recently. So right. we have opportunities for a lot of students to join us. And also f- technicians and postdoc and everything. Mm. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a domestic, a domestic master student at the moment. So <laughs> these okay. ones are hard to find. <laughs> no, they're very hard to find. But if uh, there's a domestic master student who wants to uh, do an experimental study on on motion capture and uh, imaging on kids with cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. uh, one of my clinical collaborators and I have talked about this for some time that no one no one's ever uh, done both together. Basically, get uh, muscle and bone information from imaging and get motion capture information um, and put it all together. Um, and so that's kind of an idea that we thought uh, if we could if we could put it all together, yeah. you have a master's student working on that, okay. then I think that uh, that would be pretty cool. What kind of background would they need to have? Uh, engineering, mechanical engineering, or yeah. uh, something, something in the medical sciences, mm. uh, um, physiology degree perhaps, or a background in imaging. Yeah. Okay. Not to astrophysics or anything like that. We'll take an astrophysicist. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm a big believer that if you're if if someone's intellectually curious and has a technical mind, um, you know, they can learn a lot quickly. So, um, yeah, background in the sciences and and um, a student who's really driven to work on this kind of project, yeah, we'll take them. Okay. So you work a lot with with motion capture, that, that kind of that kind of uh, those kind of tools. Uh, our field does quite a bit. I, I think Julie probably works with it uh, more than I do, mm. um, particularly. I, I deal more in, in imaging. Um, but uh, I'd say the field as a whole uses motion capture quite a bit as, as a tool. Is that difficult with, with young children? Um, it's not too bad. I, I've played around with my uh, six years old and her friend five years old. Yeah. And they were, if you make it exciting, <laughs> yeah. they, they had fun. Um, it it all depends on the children, but but Justin is trying to do infant gait, so one oh, and right, two okay. years old, yeah. and that's that's challenging <laughs> because they have to walk straight uh-huh. and they have to walk on two different force platforms, so each foot on each platform, and well, children infant don't walk yeah. straight and uh-huh. they don't really know what they're doing, so very <laughs> very difficult, but. With young children, uh, I think you can make it fun. It's just uh, you have to stick some markers on the skin. Right. Yeah. That's all right, sticking. It's removing. Yeah. <laughs> that right. can be a bit tricky <laughs> for them. Like. But, but that's all right. No, I thought, I thought they had a lot of fun doing yeah, it, yeah. if you make it fun. Yeah, I can imagine. It's, it's a lot easier to get them moving than sitting still and doing tests that way. But, uh, yeah, they probably get uh, try and pull off the markers and things like that, I guess, uh, especially the younger kids. Yeah, yeah, infants might uh, keep them distracted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, I was. I just wanted to add, kind of, as a follow-on on, on what Julie said. Uh, the uh, musculoskeletal researchers here at the institute, and and more broadly at the University of Auckland at FMHS, are are sort of undertaking a few different projects on kind of pediatric uh, musculoskeletal uh, assessments. Mm. Um, which I think is really exciting. Um, so not a lot has been done on understanding with the muscles and the bones in uh, developing, growing uh, kids. Right. And so, you know, some pretty basic questions like, um, you know, what's the progression of, of bone growth in a, uh, in a infant and toddler, you know, and, and do we have imaging information on that? Um, there are just a lot of unknowns there. And so in order to understand childhood diseases like cerebral palsy, we it'd be good to first understand what the normal progression looks like. And so right. Julie and I both have different projects kind of on this bigger picture uh, aim. And um, I know Justin Fernandez as well, and um, Sue Stott and um, Sian Williams 
a number of people here at the University of Auckland and the Bioengineering Institute are, are taking a stab at this question. And um, so I think it should be a pretty exciting time in the next few years as we start to get results and, and we can kind of um, put our results together and, and have some big picture answers about, you know, how people develop and what the musculoskeletal system looks like as, as kids are growing rapidly, crawling, walking, um, et cetera. Excellent. Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll stay tuned and see what's coming in the next few years. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening today. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to learn more about this research field, um, just check out our website. They have a whole section on there. And, uh, and, and follow us on social media as well. You'll find any updates about our latest breakthroughs and news and events. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening and thanks for joining me today. Thank you. To find out more, visit our website www.abi.auckland.ac.nz Thank you.